0: Welcome to this episode of the Network Marketing Heroes podcast, hosted by 38-year network marketing veteran, author of best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2, With Your Hair on Fire, and world-renowned speaker, Richard Blissbrook. Stay tuned after this episode for an exclusive discount code to get 10% off Richard's tools on BlissBusiness.com. Ladies and gentlemen, the, uh, here's what the hero calls are all about. I look for people out in the industry that I either know or are recommended to me that have built some kind of a network marketing empire in the four-year career time span, not necessarily exactly four years, but four or five years, somewhere in there, they built something in the order of $10,000 a month or more in residual income, and in the last 20 heroes, we've... We've interviewed people that are earning all the way up to a hundred thousand dollars a month, and I've known Eugene Hong for uh four or five years he He's the number two distributor in a friend of mine's network marketing company called yola the better body yoli the better body company and Eugene's got an extraordinary story. He and I are the chicken guys in network <laughs> marketing i worked I worked in a chicken plant. <laughs> but Eugene had a Hawaiian chicken restaurant company and so he's got a fascinating story and he and I both know that uh when you got when you got some kind of background in chickens uh people don't forget who you who you are and and they don't forget your story and so we're going to hear Eugene's story tonight we're not going to hear much from me at all we're going to hear all from Eugene i'm going to ask him some questions i'm going to ask him to tell us some stories and Eugene we're going to start with um I, I like for people to know the whole story, even though, you know, it, it may not be the current story. So Yoli is your second company, and I'd like for you to tell people uh, a little bit about how you very first got involved in network marketing, specifically who introduced you, how did you know them, what did they say to you, and then we'll fast forward to how you got started with Yoli.
1: Awesome. Well thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Um i am very honored to be here on this call. It's so funny because when I first met you at the mastermind, your story about the chicken and champ really resonated with me because here I am, you know, in a in restaurant business field and I'm dealing with chickens, whole chickens and you know, logs without giblets and they're about two and a half two and a quarter to two and a half size. And I'm and I'm going through these chickens and I'm seasoning them, I'm cutting them open, splitting them apart. And when you're saying that story at the mastermind, that picture of me in the in, you know cutting my chicken just came in my head. I was like, wow! I I knew there was a lot of things in common for us, and uh, that's why something uh, when I when I first met you, that really resonated with me. So I want to thank you for the opportunity to be on this call here tonight. Um, thank you.
0: You're welcome, Eugene. A, you're gonna, <laughs> you know, the, 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 there's hundreds of people on the call tonight that you're certainly going to inspire and educate. But the thing I love most about these calls are, you know, these are the kind of recordings that people listen to in their car or while they're working out or while they're hiking, you know, five or ten years from now. And they listen to things like this all over the world. These these are the things that, by listening to these kind of stories every day, all of us that are aspiring to build empires can stay focused. We can stay positive. We can stay Creative, and we can stay optimistic about our own future. So, let's dive into your story. Tell us how you avoided your sponsor for over four months
1: before you <laughs> finally succumbed
0: to uh, to a presentation. There's got to be a good story there.
1: <laughs> well, um, here I am in my uh, my business. Um, you know, I, I've been doing my own business right now, presently for about uh, thirteen, fourteen years now. Um, I've been I started in the business with my restaurant catering business at the farmer's markets um, at at a little booth here in Corver City, California. And um, I've been at that booth for many, many years, but I'm very passionate about the food industry. It's something, you know, to represent something from Hawaii. I was born and raised in Hawaii, so living in California, I, I knew I wanted to do something that had roots to where I grew up with. So obviously, you know, Hawaiian food, chicken, that's something that I wanted to do. And I had a customer of mine that came to my booth, somewhere from from the UK and um, he was a very nice gentleman. You know, he bought food. Um and uh he kept on coming back for for a few weeks and, and finally he kinda of talked to me about it, about what he's doing and he was sharing what you know the stuff he was all excited about and, and for me being the business owner, I mean, I love to chat with my customers. Uh the thing is if if you have a line, um it's really tough to focus on individuals especially when you're trying to make money you know what I mean. and i was working seven days a week over a hundred hours a week in my my conventional business um so for someone like him you know he you know was a nice guy nice chap uh was a regular customer so that was the cool thing about it that's the relationship that we had um and and then when it kind of turned into um uh, more of the opportunity um that's when i kind of shut myself out a little bit because you know, I had an opportunity. I had a business. I was just starting, you know, and then it was it was being okay. There was a lot of challenges, but it was, this was my business. And I wasn't looking for another business. For me, it didn't make sense to have two plan A's, you know. Um, so I, I didn't really take him serious at all. Um, and then he kept on coming week after week, month after month. And, um, you know, he, he was sharing his opportunity. And, you know, it got to a point where he was, it was, it was, I was being really annoyed by him. And, you know, the fact is, he finally got my phone number, started to call me up. And, you know, it's, we all played that trick, right? When someone calls you up, you don't want to get, you know, you don't want to answer that phone. Uh, so, you know, we're screening our calls and, and whatnot. And I just was you know, just didn't really want to share enough time with him because I wasn't interested in what he was doing. Um, until about four months into it, you know, he actually came to my booth and he said, hey, Gene, I know you're a very busy guy and all I'm asking you for is a, a, a lunch. Okay. Hey, I'll buy you lunch. Come by. And if you don't like what you see, I will never, ever bother you again. And when he said that, I was like, wow, really? You will never bother me again? Because I was very, it was really bothering me because I was, I was so busy in my business. And he was just being, he was calling me every day. He was just you know, I said, okay, fine, I'll meet you once and I'll never you know, and if I don't like it I won't you know, then don't bother me and we agreed. So we scheduled on a Saturday and um you know, uh it was it was around lunchtime, uh eleven o'clock in the morning, and we're going to Santa Monica at the Broadview Deli uh to meet uh his his business partner. Uh, and, th- and that business partner has to be Corey Citron, uh, by the way. Um so here I am trying to go to this meeting and I'm like, oh, my goodness, I have an hour before I have to be at this event. And I'm trying to figure out every which way to back out of it, you know. But at the same time, I, I said my word. I told him I would come. And my word is pretty powerful. If I say something, I'm going to do it. So I said, okay, you know what, let's do this. Um, so it's kind of funny story, Richard. But uh, I, I called my buddy of mine, a good friend, and I said, hey, I got this meeting I don't really want to go to, but I promised him I'll be there. So what I'm going to do is I want to show up. I'm going to be there, but I'm not really interested in what he's what he's talking about. So could you give me a call about 20 minutes past 11 and let me know there's a family emergency? So then I could say, okay, gotcha. I got to go. My friend's stuck on the 405. His tire blew out. I got to help him. So whatever that may be. And I had a escape plan all written out. Okay. So here I am. I, I go to the event and I meet Corey. And Corey is just an amazing guy. You know, he, You know, he's just really cool. Um, The way he dressed was very slick. He was just a real cool cat. And there was something about Corey that was was very fascinating about this guy. Like, he had all the time in the world. This guy was awesome. And here I am looking at my phone, waiting for that phone to ring. Um, The problem is that phone never rang. Okay, it, it, I kept on looking at my phone, and Corey was like, "Oh, do you have to go somewhere, you know?" It's like, "Oh no, no, it's cool," and I ended up at that event. So I got stuck pretty much. Um, Never the thing underestimate
0: is, the yes. conniving nature of a prospect.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, hysterical. you know, it was a good, so, it was a good intention. Uh, yes.
0: So oh, I, I imagine it would be pretty hard to resist Corey with his. Yes, he is very chic, and probably his. A degree in economics from Stanford didn't hurt at all.
1: Uh, in terms Absolutely, credibility. <laughs> um, so, uh, Eugene, tell
0: us about you. So, I know you got you got started in uh, Zango, and you worked up for a few years with Corey, and right. yeah. then you know Corey started his own company, and you joined him in that company. So, tell us that story. How long ago was that? And you know, one of the things that you might speak to that. Uh, I think m- people might be interested in is uh, you know what it's like to start over and what it's like to do it a second time. It's it's not as easy as everybody might think it is, is it?
1: Yeah, you're very right. Um, well, so so my journey starts obviously with Vanguard with Corey and whatnot. Um, the reason why I did leave to go with Corey is because Corey and I really created a friendship. Uh, he became a really good friend. Um, we hang out. We 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 did things other than network marketing. We did things. We we chill. We hang out. You know, we, I went to his house. We just you know had dinner. We you know we would go places together. We became friends. We really became friends, and and that's something that really stuck with me. And and when he left that company, I had a choice: either staying or going with him. And you know, I, I and that was my first company, so I was I was I was really engaged with that company, and and I love that company. This company is a great company. Um, but you know what I really felt true was that this gentleman here could really help me where I where I need to go because uh, obviously with his success record and and that's something I really wanted him and I really wanted him to teach me more because I was still young in the game I was already three years into the business um, uh, when Yoli came upon obviously is we had to start from scratch you know start from 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 zero and for me it was I, I thought of it as more of an opportunity because. For me, it was a chance to be at the same playing field with everybody on the field. You know, um, I wanted, to, you know, I had the dreams of aspirations of becoming a, a networker or someone who very successful in this profession, and I wanted it badly. I wanted it so much because I didn't want to work another 100 hours a week for another 20, 15 years. I said, forget it. This is too much work. You know, so I really wanted this to make it happen, and and I knew that. I had to start here, and I knew the challenges um, that that we were going to face, but I didn't know how big they were, because I know, like, you know, starting my own business, I knew we had challenges myself, but we fell through so many challenges in the beginning, in the first two years, and this is back in 2009, uh, in the fall, when we pre-launched, and, um, you know, it was, it was a thing, you know, it was a big pre-launch, it was a very successful pre-launch, but a few, um, after our first convention, things just fell apart, you know, in in my first group, you know, because it's a pre-launch, we were signing people up and it was, you know, know, it was excitement building up and whatnot. And I think there were like eight people in my group that achieved the rank of diamond or higher in my organization. So I thought this was it. I mean, I I made it. Yes, I'm on the right path. And a few months after that, that's when it started to decline. Things started happening. And, um, you know, our business fell apart and, you know, I was like, wow, this is very interesting. And, you know, the reason why I stayed in it is because, number one, my loyalty to the friends, the friendships that I made with the founders of the company, you know, with Corey Citron, Robbie Fender, Darren Falter, you know, all these founders, uh, Michael Pritchard and Bobby Jones, who, who, who made the company who they are today. You know, I, I told Robbie, the founder of our company, that I got your back, buddy, you know, I'm going to make this happen. And I really saw the vision of what could happen. But because of the struggles were so huge, it, it took a couple of years for the company to really take place. And that's when it started happening in 2011 when we launched the Better Body System. That's when things started to really take place.
0: I'm curious, Eugene, what, uh, <clears throat> you know, we could probably spend a half hour detailing out <laughs> everyone's fascination, what you actually mean by your business fell apart. I mean, I think people would be fascinated to know what your volume was at one point and then what it fell (laughs) back to and how many people quit. But uh, I mean, I'm kind of interested in that too, if you want to share it, but what I'm more interested in is what did Corey and Robbie and, you know, these guys that you're committed to, what did they tell you about persevering through that process of the ebb and flow and, you know, people quitting and, and having to start over and, and the fear that, you know, maybe you're not in the right place, and maybe this isn't going to work. What What they tell you about that that inspired you to double down and just stay after it?
1: You know, you know um, when you when you develop a friendship, it for me it's it's like blood. It, it becomes family, and that's and that's why it's so important who you associate with, who you hang around with, who you become in, in that process. And because I was so close to Corey, and and I got close with Robbie and, and the rest of the founders, I knew their vision. I knew they had skin in the game. They had all their chips in the pile, and they were making this happen. And they were doing their part. And I looked at it and I said, well, you know, a lot of my friends quit. A lot of they left. And and I, you know, in the pre-launch, I hit the triple diamond spot. You know, I had, you know, we did really, really well. Um, you know, but the thing is it it didn't last. there was a lot of things we had a lot of holes in, in the system and the product and and everything else so so the thing that I understood was that I needed to do my part you know if if I really want to make this work, if I really want to make this bigger than myself and and make a team and grow a team and and build leaders and you know whatnot and build a business, you know I had to think differently, and what I had to do was you know, I had to say, well, okay, Corey, Robbie, guys, you know, I'm going to do my part. You do your part, I'll do my part. And my part was making sure that we 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 stay solid. And, and how do I maintain that was by creating a culture. You know, we've created a culture. Um, in the beginning, that Hawaiian culture, that Ohana spirit, that Loha spirit culture in there, yeah. that people Ohana want to belong. Yeah. Absolutely, yes. And that's something that I was good at because, I was born with it. I grew up with it. And that's, you know, I try to figure out, you know, you know what works rather than trying to look inside of me and say, hey, what have we done so well that I'm accustomed to, that, that I that I know in the back of my head, what can I do? And it was that culture that we started. You know, we, we did the culture nights. We did things that were fun because when the business wasn't good, nobody wants to stick around. You know what I mean? So we had to right. make things fun, things that – because everybody's going home after, if you live in Los Angeles, a big uh, city, you have the traffic, you have, my goodness, you have the stress of going to work. So I wanted them to forget all of that. And when we met up as a group to, to think of all the, the things that are happening, the the, the good times, and, and just have it a fun moment. And that's the first culture that we started with. And then when things Jane, came in together, yes, yeah, go ahead.
0: Tell people specifically what kind of events, you did to create that Ohana spirit, that create the family out of your group. I know you told me this a couple of years ago, last time I talked to you about some of the events that you did, which were you know really cool. Tell people specifically about that.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm glad you asked. Um, well, it started off small. It started off with just what do friends do? You know, and that's the question I ask myself. What do friends do with friends? You know, we go to the movies, we go bowling. So we started with bowling. That was one of the first things we did. And uh, we made like a, a tier where, you know, you made small teams. We had like 20, 20 of us or whatever, broke up to smaller teams. And, you know, we got trophies for people that, you know, did well and whatnot. So we started with that culture. Uh, then we moved it up, you know, to, to bigger dinners. And we, we did a big luau one time where, I flew in fresh flowers from Hawaii. You know, to have fresh flowers at this luau, uh, we we had some entertainers come in. We had live music. We had authentic Hawaiian food. Uh, you know, when, when they had the lays, they just smelled that. They were they, they they could smell Hawaii. You know, they they weren't in California anymore. They were in the a, in a never never land off there, away from their stress, away from their problems. And we presented an area where they could be comfortable, where we could be together as a group, and just enjoy. And that's what we started to do. We 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 just did things as a group. You know, we really bonded as a group. We did bonfires, campfires. We did a lot of things, um, and and it was fun. And and it, it lasts for forever. Those memories.
0: That's beautiful. All right, so uh, let's get into some of your stats here. I'm a statistician. I love <laughs> stats. I love to uh-huh. help people create business plans and you know, have them figure out, okay, how much money do you want to earn and how much time do you want to give yourself to earn it and what are you going to need to do that, all the way down to how many people they need to talk to every week and then keep track of all that so they know whether they're on track or not. And I don't know if you're that organized or disciplined, but if you're not, then you didn't need to because you've put together some phenomenal stats about building your business that I think would are a great role model and a great inspiration to everyone listening. The first question I want to ask you about your stats is how many people you personally sponsored your first 90 days. And one of the things I want you to speak to, Eugene, is you in your pre-interview survey said that you have 60 people on your team, I'm not sure if they're personally sponsored or not, that have hit the top level or the top levels of YOLI and 58 of them don't have any previous network marketing experience. So I'd like for you to speak to this group about how many people you enrolled in the business and what kind of people were these? Where did you find them? And to the degree they were not network marketers, speak to that. Because a lot of times when people hear somebody, oh, you know, they went from one company to another company, they assume – that they moved their whole team over from one company to another. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> I don't know
0: that that's ever happened in the history of network marketing, but a lot of people think it's going to happen if they go from one company to another and I I don't think you did that. So speak to your build and let's take it in segments. I want to first I want to talk about the first 90 days. How many people okay. did you personally sponsor? How important do you feel those first 90 days are? And tell us about some of the people you sponsored. I I want to particularly profile everybody you personally sponsored that went on to either personally be one of your great leaders or the leg you know, you just you just tap rooted the leg, you found somebody under them and the leg turned into something, but you would never have the leg if you didn't have the original person you sponsored. So Correct, let's right. start with 90 days. How many did you sponsor your first 90 days? And were any of those notable people you want to profile?
1: Well, um, it's kind of a uh, funny question there because in my aspect, there were kind of like two times that I had to rebuild. One was the pre-launch and one when we lost everybody like a to start over again, you know? So um, basically, in the, in the pre-launch, I, I sponsored 17 people within the first 90 days. Um, now, these 17 people were people that I knew, people that I saw every day. Um, And a lot of that was because of my connections in the farmer's market. Now, out of those 17 people, about three or four of them actually came from my last company, Um, one of them being my sister uh, that I sponsored, you know, because she's my younger sister. Um, And and the other ones were were friends of mine that I met throughout, you know, doing the business. Um, One of them was Ronnie Cruz, who we just heard speak at the Mastermind this year, um, yeah. and, and, yes, and a few of them were just, you know, people that never, none of them were successful in the marketing period. I wasn't successful in the marketing period. Um, you know, I tried it for three years, and, you know, I did okay, you know, but not to the point that I wanted to go. Um, now, when we restarted the system we we in 2011, we did have existing members, like, for example, Chris Medina was somebody that I sponsored that came back after he quit. He was one of my diamonds that came back, and after he came back, he now is a double blue diamond now. Who is one of my top five distributors in in, in the company. He's also one of the top five uh, income earners of the company as well. So um,
0: tell, us, tell us how you, tell you tell us how you met him originally and what he did for a living.
1: Uh, well, Chris Medina, uh, we've known each other. We were in the same company, but we weren't in the same organization. Uh, Chris was a, a nurse, uh, a registered nurse. His wife was a nurse, and uh, he came on board while still working as a, a nurse full time. Um, something happened to him. His his brother was uh, shot, murdered in 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 the Philippines. Who who was, was, was a police officer, and he couldn't help him. He he actually called his brother Chris a few days before he got shot and said, Hey, I'm in trouble. I you know I just, I want to come to America. Can you help me? And Chris wasn't in that position to do that. Uh, because he was broke, he had no money, um, you know, it was very hard for him. He was going through foreclosure. It was a really tough time for Chris. And when, after that situation passed, he was like, you know, I would never let the situation happen to me again, especially, you know, my family. And it was a very hard full time for Chris. So when when that when that turnaround event happened, that's when he said, you know, there's no looking back, I'm moving forward. And that's when he started to really build his business in, in, in Yoli.
0: All right. So I I get uh Eugene that the uh the pre-launch and then everybody, you know, your first two years were actually a false start. Yeah. Put a lot of people in the business and of course no company has their best foot forward when they're launching. Uh I I I think Yoli launched about the same time that I did and and I remember uh you know watching the missteps we both made in, uh, you know, getting companies off the ground. It's not an easy thing to do, and you can really disappoint people uh, launching on the ground floor where they bail. And, you know, it's it's a horrible thing. So you kind of actually started over in 2011, but that was only three years ago. So let's just lump all this together, and let me ask you, in the five years that you've been building, Yoli, how many yeah. people have you personally sponsored? Um, about
1: 120, 21, 121 people, yeah, in and the five-year I, career. So that's, that's
0: a phenomenal I'm, – I'm looking at – actually, I've got these numbers here. Uh, 17 people the first uh, 90 days, 25 people the first year, 24 people the second year. I could almost surmise that a lot of those people, uh, 49 people, quit. By the end of the second year, you're rebuilding. Yeah. You're rebuilding in the third and fourth year, and you personally sponsored another almost fifty people. Most people in your position would have quit when their people quit like that. You stayed <laughs> after it and personally sponsored another fifty people, and you sponsored another twenty or thirty in your fifth year. One hundred and twenty people in five years. That's 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 what it takes to build this business. And the reason it takes that many people to build this business is what you and I are looking for are leaders. Every leader we bring on board results in hundreds, maybe thousands of people in our networks, and leaders are special. You know, one of the things you spoke about early, Eugene, is, you know, leaders keep their word. When a leader says, you know, yeah, I'll meet you for coffee at Starbucks to hear about your opportunity, they actually show up. And when a leader says, you know, I'll order the package tomorrow and I'll be on the conference call tomorrow night, they actually do it. And when a leader says, you know, I'll put together 100 people on a list by tomorrow night, they actually do it. Those are the people that we're looking for, people that have huge ambition and have those leadership qualities. And out of 120 people that you personally sponsored, Eugene, how many did you end up with that you would call leaders that have that have gone on to build something of significance and are continuing to build.
1: Well, um that when 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 you mentioned that question, um uh, I have six leader legs that really took off um that, that we helped develop. Some of them took years to develop. Like um Angel and Celine Rivera from San Diego, they just hit their double diamond and it took them two and a half years before they even hit their diamond position. Eugene,
0: what does it take to be a diamond?
1: um, Basically, you need to have, you mean the structure of it, the diamond?
0: Yeah, volume and structure.
1: Uh, You need to have uh, 10,000 on your lesser leg for two weeks straight in a row, and you need to have at least uh, four or five stars. A five star is someone that has 500 left and right volume. You need four of those uh, members uh, within your organization.
0: Okay, so people can get a sense of that's, I mean that's not somebody making ten grand a month, but if you get to Diamond, if you got ten thousand, that's a binary obviously, you got ten thousand on your right. smaller leg and you got some leaders in that smaller leg, you know, that's a group that's probably doing, you know, twenty five to fifty thousand dollars a month in total volume. And right. it took two and a half years for them to get there, that's certainly not a lightning pace, but it's you know, it's not a snail's pace either. Tell us about them. How did you meet them and what did they do before Yoli? Uh they
1: they they actually were um they have their own dance company. They were instructors in the salsa industry um wow. over in San Diego. Yes, they were amazing dancers. And um you know, we started building a small in their dance studio and there are many times where the trek from LA to California was a two-and-a-half-hour trek where I would go there and they would have no shows at their party, you know, at their home party. So I did that for many, many years. Uh, and it took time before Angel and Tulane really got on board because they were so busy with, you know, they were raising two kids. Uh, at that time, one kid, but they just have their newborn now. Um, but they were doing the dance studios. They had three dance studios. It was, They, was, they were really busy. And because of that, they, it was very hard for them to fit it in. Uh, at the same time, you know, their belief to make sure that what we put in, we're going to get the same out. You know, we have to make sure that the belief level was there. And once that belief level came in, that's when they started to really take off their business. They enrolled another dynamic duo that's also, it's so funny because they signed up their competition. They, they would do these dance, uh, dance-offs dance and these dance uh, uh, conventions, and they had this opposing dance class, and they were a competitor, they were competitors, and their name was... Um, they uh Tony and Maria from San Diego, but they signed them up in Yoli and now they became their first diamonds in the group. It's kind of funny <laughs> how like, the competitor becomes the business partners now, you know? And uh, they really, you know, put San Diego on the map and they're doing very well and they're starting to really develop as a solid core group here in, in, in the business. And that's one oh, of them. You, Out of the, yes.
0: You said something, Eugene, I don't want to skip over about how uh-huh. uh, you drove you drove, or they drove two and a half hours repeatedly for the home meetings and the home meetings where nobody showed up. How yes. many times did that happen?
1: Oh, four, five, six times, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah <laughs>
0: how How many people did they tell you had absolutely promised and committed and guaranteed they would be there that nobody showed up? Oh, it
1: happens all the time. We have ten people, five people. It happens, you know, and you're not, it's it's part of the game. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, it is. <clears throat> all right, well, your numbers, uh, one of the points I wanted to make about your stats, Eugene, is they so perfectly nail the four-year career. I mean, you personally sponsored. Uh, I, what I teach people through the four-year career is, you got to personally sponsor somewhere between fifty and a hundred people. If you want to lock on it, you got to personally sponsor a hundred. You got to do that in the first two or three years, and out of that, you're going to get about somewhere about one out of fifteen, one out of twenty, is going to turn into a leadership leg. It might not be the person you sponsored that is the superstar, but they get far enough down the road that somebody shows up at second level, third level, fourth level and you've got a runaway leg, a leader leg, and you've got, one out of 20, you've got six leadership legs out of 120 people. That, that nails the stat perfectly. Can you speak to, pe- to the to the people a little bit about those ratios?
1: Yeah. In fact, those six leader legs are all perfectly sponsored, um, my sister being one of them. Um, I think out of the six, I think uh, four – are on the top or five, four four of them are on the top ten income earner list um in, in the company. Um oh. as far as as far as that goes, it's what we what what one of the things that we do now what I do is, you know, it's always a challenge of finding somebody in, in the business and bringing them board and helping um and get started in the business. It's, it's 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 a passion of mine to go out there and share um especially people we know, friends and family, you know, that, that need the product or need the opportunity because a lot of people are suffering, a lot of people are, are are hurting, especially in this economy, you know. And we want to do our best yep. to go out there and reach out to them. Um, but yep. you know, it's just the the numbers game kicks in where you know out of so many people, how many of them actually are, are going to be really building the business? And it's kind of like um, you know a good friend of mine, one of our our, our top diamonds, uh, Daniel Song. Uh, he he actually mentions this, and it's a good thing that he says this. Is that we we enroll twice, we reap twice. The first time is when we sign the paper and get our product. But the second time we enroll is really when we truly enroll in the business. With, when our belief level is there and we engage the business. And that's when you kinda of start from zero A B and you move on to get the results that you want. You know, and so 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 a lot of people have to reapp twice. You know, when you first initial reapp and then when you actually re app into the business, when you really commit yourself to the business. And that's obviously after you figure out your why and figure out your purpose and how can you, you know, make, you know, your product or your company the solutions to your problems, you know? So once we figure that part out, it it does take up it's a process, you know. Um, so yeah, the another way I, to say yeah. that
0: is, a lot of people get in the business, but the ones that go on to be successful are the ones that allow the business to get in them. And when the business gets in you, and you become an evangelist for it, an ambassador for it. Instead of be, sort of being on the outside and playing with it and analyzing it and critiquing it and hoping something great's going to happen, you actually become the business and you become the leader and you become the source. And when that happens, phenomenal things happen. There's a big difference between sort of signing a paper and going to a few conference calls and hoping something's going to happen and actually letting the business transform you and making some things happen. That's a great insight from your leader there. So, uh let's move let's move here, Eugene. Uh by mm-hmm. the way, folks, that organization uh so far has resulted in five years and don't forget the first two years sounds like it was a train wreck in terms of people
1: <laughs> quitting right.
0: and Maybe, you know, finally the company gets its act together and some of them come back, but, boy, I can sure relate to that. That organization, ladies and gentlemen, currently is producing $1.6 million a month in sales volume. You can probably figure out how Eugene's doing there. I believe he's making his payments on time with that (laughs) income. So uh, here's a question I want to ask you now, Eugene. What is the one single biggest mistake that you've made in the last five years, either repeatedly or you only made it once? And when I say biggest mistake, uh, what I mean is cost you um, the biggest relationship, the biggest chunk of your integrity, or the most amount of money. And I know you're not prepped for this, so you're (laughs) going to have to wing it.
1: No problem. Wow, that's a a really deep question. Um, You know, at at first, you know, for me, because I'm so involved with and so passionate about my business, my team, and the culture that we want to create here, um, you know, probably would be, um, you know, at first I I spent too much time with the wrong person. Um, you know it's so funny uh, because you know I was working with so many people and and so many of them want to do this and all of a sudden you know during the pre-launch collapse and a lot of people left and you know I spent so much time with with the wrong per- the people the wrong people and once I understood that hey you know um, there's something that Randy said over at the Mastermind that hey you know you move I move you know you take a step I take a step you know and it's something that I've learned that you know people need to do their part they need to. Do their part, and if we're always doing things for other people or trying to do this for them, you know, a lot of people take it for granted. And I think, um, you know, if I if I knew, you know, it's funny because the skill set doesn't come until later. After we made the mistake, after we fell many, many times, Um, but you know, you can't cheat that process. You can't cheat that struggle. We need to go through that to get to the other side. Um, And 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 that's the thing was, you know, uh, I wish I would have failed quicker in the beginning because. You know, the time that was my first company to my second, I failed toward the second part of that business. And when because I failed quickly at the second part, um, things start to happen afterwards. I wish I would have failed a lot more quicker earlier so I could have recuperated that and actually learned from my mistakes and then move on faster and, and spending the right time with the people that deserve the time rather than people that want the time, you know. Uh, I think that's oh, one of the...
0: Uh, could you speak more specifically to... What were what were the uh, describe the people that that sort of drew you in sucked you in to spending time with them and they didn't reciprocate. Describe some of their features and actions
1: <laughs> compared
0: yeah. to the people that you learned. Like what is your criteria uh, for who you work with and who you spend time with?
1: Well um it's funny because when you when you see it it's that salesman type approach where hey you know hey i promise you i'll be your biggest distributor i'll do this or you know they they're promising you a lot of things and obviously you know well you're like wow okay cool well let's hear what you have to say or let's let's you know they're trying to sell you too much about what they can do rather than doing it rather than showing uh through action you know, um, a lot of times in that criteria that I work with right now, it's, it's you know, the the, the 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 most important things that I think is you got to be coachable um, in this business, you know. Um, there's too many times where people say, well, I've been in this business for 10 years or I've been in this for 20 years, and they don't want to learn the system that we have. They don't want to do the things that we're doing that's working and duplicating properly in our organization. they they rather reinvent their wheel, do their own thing, well, I can do this. I, when the word "I" I I comes in, that's uh, that's a uh, whoa. I kind of lay off when people say I did this, I did that. Well, you know, it's one of those those warning signs that you can get. You know, I can do this, and you know, I'll promise you this. I'll be your biggest. I'll be your number one distributor. It's, it's the same routine. It's it's the thing that you can get sucked into if you don't pay attention. If you don't if you put everything else on the line, your integrity. You know, your your culture, your team. You know, never sacrifice short term goals for long term rewards you know and whatnot. so
0: got it uh, so now let me flip that and ask you uh-huh. what's the smartest thing you've ever done either repetitively as a habit or a one time move that built a significant relationship um, or created integrity for you as a leader or made you a
1: King's ransom. Um, one of the things that I, I did I took on a very, very early is I really adopted a mentor, someone that I could really work with and help my help give myself accountability. And Corey was that person for me. He took me under his wing It's somebody that I he really focused and, and I was really coachable with Corey, you know. Um, you know, Corey said this, I would actually do it. you know, I wouldn't question him or whatever, re- rebel or whatever it is. I knew that if I want what he has, I got to do what he does. You know, that's something that really kicked in my head, and I knew I had to be open-minded. And I knew I had to be coachable. Um, the other thing was, obviously, is you know, one of the things as we develop into leadership was that sometimes, you know, we're here to do, to to develop leaders, not to develop followers, and that's the mistake sometimes people make. And you know, I, I once once like some of the, the people that I personally sponsored. Um, uh, like my sister Ruby, Daniel Song, Ronnie Cruz, Chris Medina, Kimball Collison, Angel. These are my six-person running legs or my leaders in my organization. Um, we have to learn how to let go because they are developing themselves as leaders. You know, so one thing that that we learn as leaders growing up in the business is that we need to learn how to let things go sometimes, so that they could become their own. They, they could take the mantle and and lead and and develop their skill set already, so that they could. Uh teach that and duplicate that with their organization as well you know it's doing too much for too many people versus learning how to leverage that and then really teaching that culture and to duplicate that culture to your teams, to your leaders so they could do the same as well uh Once yeah, I figure man, that out, that's when things really start to kick kick in
0: yeah, and the big challenge there, I'm sure what you would agree, Eugene is that if you're gonna let somebody go do their own event or you're going to go let them for the first time do their own presentation, you're going to probably have to ask them to do that, insist that they do it before they think they're ready. You're going to have to, like, kick them out of the nest because most people won't go on their own. And probably the toughest thing as a leader is to stand there and watch them produce at a much lower level than they would if you were helping them. Like their meeting's not going to be as good, their presentation's not going to be as good. You have to be willing to let people fail in order for them to spread their wings and grow. They just, they have to go through that struggle process. They have to learn some of these distinctions on their own. They have to be able to tell their people down the road Look, I've been through this. This just isn't theory. Eugene just didn't tell me this. He kicked me out of the house and I wandered the streets homeless for a week. I can <laughs> speak to this process with integrity and with authenticity. And that's, you know, that's such a powerful part of leadership is leaders have to be able to speak to the distinctions, the laws of nature, the the rules of business. They have to be able to speak to that with authenticity, and they can only do that if they've experienced the struggle and then the triumph. And that doesn't happen unless you kick them out before they think they're ready. So, last question I want to ask you, or last couple of questions, Eugene. Um, mm-hmm. um, what, what are you What are you up to in the next four or five years? I know your company's still young and and relatively small and growing, and you probably have a lot of alignment with what the company's up to. I'm interested in what's your vision for Eugene Hong for the next four or five years? Who are you going to become as a leader? How are you going to serve your organization? What kind of legacy are you going to leave for the network marketing profession?
1: Um, well, for me, it's all about paying it forward. Um, you know, building our business. You know, we wouldn't be here without our team. Um, yet we're guiding our team. You know, to teach them about you know everything from self development, from structure, from building, from fundamentals. You name it. Um, one of the things that 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 really struck me in our why was that um, you know next year we have a huge incentive trip and um, you know we're going to Rome for the Blue Diamonds and above and my main goal is to get the people that I care and love about the most on the trip to qualify as that Blue Diamond. And and obviously, through that process, help them get their teams where they need to go. Um, You know, my sister, Ruby, Ken Al-Paulson, one of my best friends, you know, these these are the people, you know, that I'm very, very close with, Chris Medina. A lot of Chris Medina and and, and Ronnie already went last year, so they're going to go again this year. But with Daniel Song and Angel and Tulane, these – my personally sponsor people are people that I have that relationship, that trust you know that factor uh and and part of me it's like you know um you know, it's not fulfilled yet, it's not done until these friends of mine or the family members of mine make it to you know on their part you know it's it's where i you know i I proclaim I'm going out there i'm and helping them get to where they need to go because you know that's. You know, that's all we're doing is paying it forward with our teams. And everybody on their teams have their team members they want to bring on, their friends and their family. And, you know, it's a never-ending process. The um, next couple of years, you know, three, four, five years, you know, you know, you never know what's going to happen. There's always going to be struggles in the business. You know, if it's not struggling about this, it's struggling about this or Drama. That's another thing. You know, when you when your leadership development grows and your team grows, the more people you have, the more drama your your team gets. You know, I was <laughs> like, whoa, are we are we are, are we underpaid as psychologists or overpaid as as top distributors dealing with these issues because we're trying to kill out flames? We're doing this, and that's another notion that you know, um, you know, that we we're developing as leaders. You know, and, and thank goodness for Orrin Woodward has a great book called Resolve that we're we're, we're reading and developing in our leaders as well. And, 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 this is all the challenges of growing a, a, a team in a small company. Um, yeah. but our, our next step is obviously is to take that to the next level. And, um, you know, it, it's to see your teammates take the spot to take it away from you. Um, and that's the thing is, is, is to see them move up in the ranks is, for me, that's a big thing. Um, to, to help the team really develop so that, you know, they could get where they want. You know, because obviously, I mean, you know, the things that I've accomplished is, you know, wouldn't be without my teammates, you know, so. <laughs> so. You
0: know, one of the hypocrisies of our profession, I know you will relate to as just the way you spoke about it is, you know, you can build something in four years and then you can go to the beach or you can retire or you can, you can travel the world and, that sounds beautiful to somebody who doesn't have that kind of freedom. and But then when you build something like you have built, what you start living for and working for are the stories of other people. And as long as there are people on your team who have unfulfilled dreams and are committed to doing what's required to get there, it's kind of hard to retire, isn't it? Or even think about retirement
1: because <laughs> there's, right.
0: this end, there's this endless stream of people at maybe first level or seventh level that are raising their hands, saying, "You know, what about me? How about a hand up?" And and servant leaders like yourself, Eugene, you you know, I know you love this profession, and retiring is, is can't be probably a, a, not even on your mind because. It just isn't a match for who you are and what you're doing. This is the kind of thing that you can do the rest of your life, and you can do it beautifully, and you can have fun doing it, and you can travel the world, and you might call it work, but really it's more service and uh, not something that's that's uh, readily retired from. So the last thing I want to uh, have you tell these people in, two or three minutes, Eugene, is um, I want you to imagine, all of you on the call and you, Eugene, that those of you listening on the call, whether it's live right now or it's 10 years from now listening to uh, some kind of recording in your car or working out, that, you know, you're in this process yourself of building your own empire in network marketing and, you know, maybe you've been in three months or maybe you've been in three years and, Um, You know, you haven't quite got on top of the power curve yet. You're still pushing that car up the hill. You're still looking to create momentum. You're still looking to sponsor enough people so you generate the leadership that makes things happen. And one of the places that people are mentally in that process is they tend to think, all of you listening out there, tend to think that you don't know enough yet in order to be successful and you need more knowledge you need more information you need more skills and I think Eugene would agree with me that although skills and knowledge are valuable and we always want to keep sharpening that axe almost all of you if you've been in your company's uh, system and training program for you know six months or more and you've been pretty diligent in that training program you already know more than you need to know to make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year in this business. It's just a matter of executing. It's a matter of implementing what you already know and stop thinking that you need to know more or you need to do it perfect or you need to get to some place of convenience and order and ease before you actually start to implement what you already know how to implement. So I want you to imagine that, uh, Eugene, that these people, this is the last thing they're ever going to hear. That from this point on, they're cut off from training and even inspiration in order to build their business. I know this isn't practical, but just imagine it. They're They're cut off from all further input, and the last thing they're ever gonna hear that has got to make a difference for them is what you're gonna say to them in the next two or three minutes. If you could only say one have one message to somebody and it has to be the message that makes the difference for them, what would you tell them?
1: Well, if this is the last Thing that has to be in their heads right before we end everything else. Um, I would say, um, you know, belief has a huge role in this. I was just talking to a member of mine who had the same situation where they're asking way too many questions, and you know, the years pass, the same questions arise, and it's because of the belief level. They don't have that belief yet. They're questioning because they have doubts. They haven't had the confidence yet to to take action towards building their business. You know, because if you do take action, uh action, you know, it kills fear, you know. Uh and that's the thing is that fear has a huge role in our business. Uh because we've you know, we're in a business for ourselves, but at the same time we're doing things we've never done. And and some people have 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 over some people have overcame, overcome it, some people haven't, most people haven't. And and that's when we have to realize that Normally, that our 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 why or our dreams right has to be greater than our fears, and until that happens, you'll never ever make that shift. You'll never make that move because if your fear is stopping you from making this happen, it's always going to stop you because you're gonna you're gonna respond to that, and it becomes accustomed to you. You're gonna be the fear of success, even that alone. The fear of failure. All these fears are so strong that it's going to stop you from from getting where you need to go. And that happened to me too, you know, that fear of of being rejected, the fear of, wow, you know, it's one of those things, or the fear of you name it, you know. And what I really had to do deep down inside is to search from within, is, is to focus on my dream, what I want to accomplish, and why do I want to accomplish that. And that has to be greater than the fear. Because if it's not, it's not going to happen. I'm telling you it's not going to happen until we overcome that process. And and that's why when we go over this, you know, we craft the why. We craft the story because that is so powerful, you know. Um, people join your business because they, they buy you. They buy your story. You know, that's what's going to, you know, it's not what you do. It's why you do it. and And that's why it's so powerful. We need to acknowledge it. We need to search it. We need to find what our why is. So that makes us tick for me it was my parents you know my sister had the same why you know we wanted to really create something for them before time father time takes its toll and and you know we we want to buy that house that got taken away from us you know uh you know our parents got forced closed in their house and you know we want to take their dream trip to europe which we've accomplished through this amazing profession because we overcame our fears and that's the thing is to search for is find out what you're afraid of. Find out what's stopping you and have the picture of your why. It's either a photo or a picture or whatever it is, if it's your kids or if it's your parents or your, your loved ones or whatever, have that photo in front of you. Whenever things suck, whenever things gets scared or your your the fear kicks in, have that picture in front of you because, you know, you're not saying no... You're saying no to your family, basically. You're saying no to your why. Every time you don't accomplish that mission, it's because your fear is stronger. So so have that visually in front of you so that you can overcome it because if you don't, I mean, your why is not strong enough. We need to develop that even more and tap into it even more by really focusing on why this needs to be done. There's got to be some sense of urgency. There's got to be some sense, of, some sense of, excuse me, of urgency that you need to make this happen and it's usually an emotional response that kicks in and i just want you to tap into that to see what's stopping you from becoming great what's stopping you from continuing your your journey where you need to go and what's stopping you from getting there and if you look at it it's fear you know so we need to overcome that yeah
0: fear is a vision too fear is just a story we tell ourselves we make it up it's a fairy tale we make it up and we act accordingly and the act accordingly is is to hide from it or to avoid it uh, because we're afraid and all there is to do is create a different story and you just you said it beautifully, Eugene, you have to decide what's more important to you, your fear, which is nothing more than a story, your fear of looking bad, your fear of failing, your fear of whatever it is, what's more important to you? that or why you would be successful and money's not enough money just is too empty money doesn't cut it there's got to be something that moves you that you're going to do with that money you bought your parents that house didn't you eugene and you know
1: yeah <laughs> that,
0: that that nothing can compare to that and that's the that's what people have to figure out What are they playing for? And if they don't have something really powerful to play for, fear will eat them alive. Eugene Hong, you've been an enormous gift to uh, myself and everyone on this call. And Yoli is uh, very fortunate to have you as their top leader, and I appreciate your contributions. I appreciate what you're doing for the network marketing profession because you do it right. You build in a way that honors every company in our profession, honors your company, especially honors our business model. And 50 or 60 years from now, with a lot of the people that you have taught to do this business and other people like you, we'll we'll create a a different reality, not 50 or 60 years from now, but 5 or 6, 10 years from now. When you ask people about network marketing, we're going to get a different response than we get today. And it's going to be because of people like you that are building it in a beautiful way. So I appreciate your uh, time tonight. Appreciate all the rest of you joining Bliss Business on the call tonight. We're in an hour. And um, have a fantastic week. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Richard Bliss Brooks Network Marketing Heroes Podcast. For more invaluable training tools, such as audios, videos, and, of course, his best-selling books, The Four-Year Career, and Mach 2 with Your Hair on Fire, head to BlissBusiness.com. For 10% off your order, use discount code HERO at checkout. If you're serious about building your business, make sure to subscribe to Richard's blog
1: for all the latest tools and articles.